Hello, it's Cascades episode something. Titles on top. We don't know what episode it is, but... 16! Nope. So there's me here today, as always. Jordan's also here, as sometimes happens, and apparently our dad's joined us, and I don't know what that's about, but... On with the episode, I guess. The Three Musketeers. Yes. No. Mm. The Three Whiskey Tears. No. Is that like little whiskey's crying? <laughs> it's been a hard <laughs> life. Our little millennial whiskey just crying and like just needs a breakdown to get on with life. So first of all, a uh, little bit of a programming announcement. Woo! We're actually going to be taking a break from our regular episode schedule, which we totally follow the whole time and haven't made a mistake this year so far. The next episode will be uploaded on the 9th of January, so there's going to be a two-week break in between, so we can have some Christmas time and New Year's time. So some of us can have some Christmas time, those who don't. Well, those of us that can't be bothered with Christmas can do their own thing. Celebrate Christmas, but it's going to be somewhere around the first week of January. It'll be uploaded on the 9th of January. It might be uploaded on the 9th of January. By the 9th of January, I suspect. Doubt it. But don't worry, because... Over that uh, extra two-week period, some vital whiskey research will be going on, I'm sure. Like sampling and tasting. Vital whiskey vital research. Vital whiskey. Yes. And for yes. those of you that don't celebrate Christmas... You well, know, you can still sample and taste. Just I'm not saying people time. have to celebrate Fam. Christmas. Just saying. Yes, but you, you put sample and taste. Just sample and tasting regardless. With everybody else. I you? haven't sampled nor tasted a single one of these whiskies. And I'm 16 episodes in, so I'm doing... Right, okay then. Mm. Well, you were only here for 15, actually. Yeah, but I'm 16 episodes in. You missed one, then? Yeah, you did an episode, because I was too busy. Oh, that's right. You couldn't be bothered, could you? I so was... I... Some of us work. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently today I'm going to be the moderator. <laughs> we will be uh, debating the merits and cons of working, apparently. Yes. <laughs> Inconveniently. A very telling episode on familiar relationships. <laughs> now, I have... To say, this will be far more organised than the presidential debates. You will only have two minutes per topic. Um, there will be no interfering, otherwise you will get flicked. Today's are not-so-Christmassy Christmas episode. And I won't lie, I certainly faced a dilemma when I was uh, deciding what whiskey to do for this. We didn't do, like, a, a, a ghost whiskey for Halloween. We did! We talked about Kubokan, which is the ghost of the Wolf of Scotland. Oh, Ooh. yeah, sorry. Which you know, because you've listened to that oh, one. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Spoilers, there might be a ghost in this episode as well, just for you. The ghost of Christmas past. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the big problems is, as I've often said uh, during the episodes that we've had so far, when I think of whiskies, I often think of them as seasonal. So light, kind of florally ones for summer, and the nice, kind of rich, heavier ones for winter. I won't lie, I tend to like sherry cask whiskey, so deciding which one was going to be the official Christmas whiskey of Cascades 2020 was a tough, tough decision. Like an SAD lamp, you pull out a winter bottle and just have it shine on your face. <laughs> yeah, it's like that kind of like off-screen glow, just lighting you up. However, I sat down, really put some thought into this, did a little bit of research. Didn't you write this episode earlier? So you didn't really put that much thought into it. I was thinking about it all of yesterday. <laughs> it's like 24 hours of thought. Oh my gosh, you can think for that long. Sometimes. That's time for everything. I space it out across the day, though. I decided finally to go with the Highland Scotch Whiskey Distillery Glendronic, which is probably my ultimate Christmas whiskey, to be fair. Spoilers. Well, we're not going with my ultimate, ultimate Christmas whiskey because I couldn't afford the 18-year-old, okay? Is that the one that they drink in Scrooge? I don't know if there's a whiskey in Scrooge. I don't think there is. How much is the 18-year-old one? Oh, £102. Pound-ish. Oh, that's reasonable. 
But then again, you divide the measures, divide it by the measures in the bottle, and you're working at just over three pound a measure. Yeah, which you'd be paying in a pub. Which probably. is what you'd be paying in a pub properly. Yeah. yeah. For those of you who don't know Jordan, he likes to divide everything into shots, and that includes backpacks uh, and ninja blenders. Yeah, but if you break it down like that, it's, it's not that dear, is yep. it? Divide everything by twenty-eight. It's a lot more affordable. Trust me. Mm. As everyone knows, our twenty-eight times table. No, 28 yeah, measures to a bottle, so 28 is the function to work out your was, measures. If you was a whiskey drinker in a pub, you'd spend that easily. No, I'd get someone else to do that for me, and then give me the drink. I mean, some of the measures, uh, for some of the really old whiskies and closed distilleries, you're talking over £100 a measure. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So £3 a measure really isn't that bad. It's a good old-fashioned. You could get some guitar strings with that. You could get some <laughs> guitar strings with that, yes. The distillery was founded in 1826 by a gentleman named James Allardyce. Allardyce. <laughs> Glendronach was actually one of the first distilleries in Scotland to be uh, actually legally licensed to distill. Before 1823, whiskey distillation was not legal. Uh, 1823, a good year, I remember Well, it was year. for distillery licensing, yes. That was when the cask whisperer was sneaking so it was all around. all bootleg stuff, was it? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was basically, as I'm sure you know because you've listened to the episode. Oh, yes. A lot of farmers would distill their excess uh, grains because it doesn't spoil when you distill whiskey. You know. Ah, right, yeah. Um, and, of course, they tended to like to do this in the traditional sense where they didn't pay tax. And so the thing was that uh, a lot of the lords who kind of owned the lands and things, they were ve- very well aware of all this distillation and some have even kind of accepted it as part of the payment sometimes. It kind of got to the point where they kind of petitioned Parliament to make it a, a legal act to actually apply for a licence and then have some kind of control over the spirit that was being sold to uh, keep standards up, if nothing else, and also get some revenue in. In 1823, the uh, the first distillery licensing act was passed. I mean, there's been many kind of alterations on it since, but this is when it first came into placement. So 1826 is fairly early on in the scale, and that's why you see a lot of distilleries were founded in kind of like the 1820s, 1830s kind of area, because that's when they were all getting their kind of uh, And licensing. was this pre- or post-cowboy times? 1826 would be, be pretty right, yeah, getting but, towards there. Yeah. Not even cowboys? Oh, yeah, cowboys would be the 1800s to uh, yeah, very they, early 1900s when it's starting oh, to fade out. I, I'll never comprehend when that happened. But there must be some dodgy whiskey going about before the... Oh, I mean, there was dodgy whiskey going about after that, as, as you'd find out if you listen to the whole talk on yeah, rectifiers yeah, and mm, things. Mm, yeah, mm, mm, mm. We don't have time to recap 16 episodes okay, right now. Okay, no, I'm just, just coming in just to bring people... Yeah, reminding people. Yes, of the previous obviously. Episode. Yes, you're really. the voice of the people who yes. haven't been listening to 16 episodes. No, I'm so just far. bringing them up to date. I thought that was me. I can't have two people not paying attention. Right. Now, the distillery actually has a really funny kind of story about how the founder's first sale went. Supposedly, James Aldice went into town to sell his first load of whiskey. However, um, at that time, there was a lot of spirit available. I mean, most of it was, like I say, from these legal stills, but a lot of spirit was around. People weren't very interested in something that it wasn't from people they knew and they didn't see the point of paying for it. And James was a little upset about this, apparently, and he decided to visit a brothel um, to kind of cheer himself up at the end of the trip. He came to the arrangement to trade services from the brothel for his whiskey. Uh, And I think he probably left a very happy man. (laughs) Anyway, apparently the brothel kind of accepted this offer, but they also decided to offer the whiskey to other patrons. And people kept coming back for more. They said, oh, yeah, we'll have more of that. So James's first customer was apparently a brothel. And people kept coming back for the whiskey. Yes, yes. People right. were just, going just, back just for the whiskey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with that, you know. Everyone yeah. got to earn a wage. Yeah. Stop being judgy. <laughs> now, I can say I have to say it's it's a pretty funny story. I 
I honestly don't care if it's true or not. It's a it's a great story, and it probably helps them sell whiskey a lot better. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Glendronach's one of those distilleries that actually it's been overlooked for a very long time. Uh, it's very very successful, and a lot of people recognised. A lot of people in the industry recognise the quality of the spirit, but as a brand, it wasn't the most well-known one. One of the things that kind of works for Glendronic, actually, is the spirit that comes off the stills. It's very big-bodied. It's actually full of lots of impurities in it. If you get a chance to kind of smell or taste the New Mech spirit, it's not very pleasant at all. It's very robust, very sulfurous almost. However, this makes it great for uh, sherry cask maturation. And it's one of the reasons why Glendronic has for so long used sherry casks, and they certainly have the standards behind them as well. We love a sherry cask in this household, (laughs) mostly because it's the only one I can ever say. You say port? Rarely. (laughs) Now, Glendronic's site, where the distillery is based, like so many other distilleries, used to house all the workers on site as well. So, obviously, there weren't bus services back then, so you'd live and work on the distillery. And they had had buildings for the workers, they had buildings for the distillery managers, but they also had a building for the exciseman, who was responsible for ensuring that the HM revenue weren't cheated. Hmm. I don't think they'd cheat them, would they? No, no. The history of whiskey has shown that People were very, very honest. When yeah, it came I can to, well imagine. I would have been anyway. There were some really funny stories actually about how they used to cheat the excise man. <laughs> wait, wait, I got a really good one. I got a really good one. It's just like they're going past like all the cars, and the dudes are like, "Yep, one, two, and then they like just push him down or something. Like no, to see here, you know, lock the door. And it's like, quick, go, 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 go. Like twenty-eight go past, and then they are like, "Oh, so sorry about that. Are you alright? Are you alright?" So where we three, at? Two, three. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that they're just sending the same barrels and then putting them through, <laughs> taking them out through one door, bringing them back through the other, and loading them. No, uh, one of the actual really funny stories is uh, apparently a lot of the times when like the the pipes used to be coming off the stills and stuff and they go behind walls, uh, people used to drill a hole in the top of the pipe so they could siphon it out on the way past. (laughs) There's all sorts of brilliant stories, including smuggling casks in uh, coffins. Hmm. Um, I don't think the body was in there with the casks. Yeah, we're going to say you won't get very big casks in a coffin. Well, don't forget, though, I mean, you're talking to times when you have, like, quartz casks, which you could literally carry, so... right, yeah. Um, I mean, it was just any way to kind of get things past. Mm. Have you ever watched... uh, You've watched Whiskey Galore? Yeah, yeah. So you've seen how all the islanders get past all the... Similar kind of things and and stories. Whiskey Galore? If not, you're in for a treat. Yeah, it's very good. It's a good film. I mean, I don't really watch. Whiskey Galore is about a a shipwreck, yeah. Um, Based on an actual shipwreck. Um, Yeah, it's always true, yeah. It's actually happened there, yeah. And then they have to find the fool's gold and... No, that's a separate brilliant no, film. No, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they housed everyone on, on site kind of thing, and over the years these buildings have, have been repurposed for other things. There's not many distilleries that still actually um, kind of house the workers, as we mentioned in a previous episode, as I'm sure you remember. Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, Tomatian actually does. Now, one of the reasons why I'm mentioning this is because one of the buildings uh, is supposedly haunted by the ghost of a woman who came from Spain and travelled across in a sherry cask and has stayed at the distillery ever since. Right, as you would. Oh, well, you know. Finally, we're in my domain again. The spooky season is back. (laughs) Told you it was a ghost. Yeah, apparently. Because they shipped their sherry cask from Spain, Mm -hmm. and apparently the woman's ghost came across in a sherry cask. I don't know if the woman was kind of put in the sherry cask and died there. I don't know if she was trying to sneak into the country. Mm. I just... Apparently, there is a ghost of a Spanish woman in the sherry cask who came across in a sherry cask right. and liked Glendronic so much she stays there mm, mm. She, she didn't die there but she died a few hours yeah, right. she goes around like, get, get, an, get an Xbox connect out see if you can now one of the problems I do have with the story is as anyone who knows me I am an avid ghost believer obviously is sometimes ghosts are supposedly 
based on like uh, times they will appear, won't they? Like, oh, it's a full moon on, on the uh, it's midnight, so the ghost is going to appear. Now, does that affect still on Spanish time? Ah. Or well, hey, Scottish point, time? Will she be like an hour out and things hey. like that? This is what mm. I want to know about mm. this. Well, this goes back uh, to our very old debate of... A werewolf. Yeah, werewolves. We're on about if they if, if there are two moons, which does the werewolf go in a cycle? Now that's a very good point. Now that actually brings me to a separate werewolf debate that we also branched off to. But now with the two moon scenario, maybe we're living on some kind of fancy planet that does indeed have two moons, and perhaps the wolf clans have some kind of I don't know allegiance to certain moons. Okay, 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 okay. Or if one moon's more powerful, maybe they get drawn to that one. I'm not sure. Also, what if a werewolf is on a plane? They leave on a f- on a full moon, but like the time zone difference. Does well, you the see, this shift is the problem. Interrupted. Do they have two shifts? This in is the one same of the problems. Day? Yes, and the other problem we had is now that we're getting to the point of um, uh, still President Trump technically. Uh, his space force, what if one of those people is a werewolf and eventually they colonise different planets with different moons? Is he still affected, or she, still affected by our moon or that oh. planet's moon? That's what I want to know. Or they, yes. Sorry. Um, but then if they're on the moon... Yes, it's always, it always a full, a full moon. moon. I know. Yes, but I suppose if you go to abroad, you adapt eventually, don't you, to their lifestyle, or should do. Well, some so people suppose, do. Yeah. But that's what you should do. So I'd imagine werewolves would be the same if they were polite. Because when, when military forces move into other places, they're so well known to adapting to that place they invaded, oh, yes. not making that place adapt to them. Yes, that's mm-hmm. that's what history's once taught well, us. Well, yes, yeah, so I wasn't particularly about the military, I about werewolves. They're well, we're different. <laughs> a werewolf military. They'd no, you don't get military werewolves. You the don't. werewolf branch. It's a well-known fact. There are no military werewolves. Nice. Well, we've gone completely off topic. But I don't even think they domesticated either. Or did we go more on topic? I don't think so. No. Now, over the years, the distilleries had several owners, as many distilleries have. This is a common theme. Several as in seven, or several as in the colloquial term for multiple? Multiple. Okay. Why would several mean seven? who've looked after and developed the distillery standards um, ever increasing this level. Sadly, the distillery actually did close between 1996 and 2002. Now, in the 90s, there was a little bit of a a whiskey lull, to say the least, and a lot of whiskey wasn't being produced, so I think this knock-on effect just happened to them, and and it was mothballed. However, fortunately, it reopened in 2002, um, but this does mean that there's this gap in whiskey maturation levels for those years, and whiskey's bottled today, uh, I've seen some whiskey's bottled today from casks prior to 96, and they're fetching a lot of money as as I showed you. I mean, you're talking like £500 a bottle. I want a big bottle for £500. They fill it to the top. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) You get the whiskey inside as well as the glass. That's about that. (laughs) During 2005, the distillery actually underwent maintenance and they removed the coal fires, which were used to directly heat the stills underneath. And they, they went in favour of indirect kind of steam heating the stills. Get like a, you know, open your pores whilst you're... Oh, yeah. Now, I realise that something is what seems as trivial as just changing your heating system might seem a bit weird, but it actually does have an effect on the flavour of the spirit. Um, if you're direct heating the stills, obviously you're getting a lot more kind of heat through the bottom of it, and it actually tends to burn... The, the bottom of the, of the spirit yeah, a lot, and they actually sense. have these things called rumble balls, which they roll around and they, they stop this sediment from collecting on the bottom of the still, and it's a lot slower process. Now, for instance, Glen Farkless Distillery, which is based in Speyside, they still use direct firing. They're one of the very few distilleries who still do this, uh, and they refuse to change because they believe it would alter the effect of the spirit and they're not willing to compromise. Yeah, that checks out. History is always filled with people that refuse to change its bin. <laughs> but they refuse to change in a good way. They're a lovely family-owned distillery, and they won't compromise their quality. 
In 2008, the distillery was sold by Perna Ricard, the previous owners who own things like Schiffer's Regal, Glenlivet, and a lot more as well. Trust me, they own a lot. Um, and they sold it to a consortium of investors headed by a gentleman named Billy Walker, who oh. I know I've talked to you about Billy Walker before. I recognise that. Was oh, that Walker's Whiskey? Yeah, Walker's, yeah. Walker's Whiskey, yeah. You get salt and vinegar, you get barbecue, <laughs> you get ready salted. <laughs> yeah, she's an onion which divides the nation, I won't lie. Ready chewed. Oh, prawn cocktail? Oh, yeah, they tried that one, did, but yeah, it yeah. was not well received. Do you put the crisps in a prawn cocktail to accompany them, or like. We're on about whiskey here, not crisps. Where, 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 where are you going with this? How about Whiskey. I don't know. Why well, you got crisps on your mind? Yeah, it's it's weird. Quite, 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 yeah. <laughs> I shan't be subject to this bullying. <laughs> now, Billy Walker is referred to as a veteran whiskey maker, and I think the title actually really suits him well. Aren't we all referred to as no. veteran whiskey makers? No. no. It's I've, kind of a mark of respect. I've made cards. He headed this consortium. They bought... Originally, they actually bought Ben Riak Distillery in 2004. They bought Glendronic off of Perno Ricard in 2008. And eventually, they bought Glen Glassow in 2013. All of which fall under the, the um, kind of ownership of the Ben Riak Distillery Company, it's called. All three distilleries. Um, now, three very, very different styles as well. Hopefully, we'll get to those another time. They are wonderful whiskies in their own right. And Billy Walker is very, very very good at uh, cask influence and things like that. He really is great at kind of applying these casks and understanding where they're going to go, trying different things, creating a final product that it really emphasises this wonderful wood management. And... <laughs> well, <that's... laughs> well, get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> yeah, so Billy Walker really, really did kind of bring this, this cask profiles and all these flavours and he furthered uh, Glendronach's kind of like um, notoriety underneath uh, Billy Walker's kind of watchful eye, the distillery came on leaps and bounds, and certainly, it's still not a household name, but it's it's a lot more recognised today than it was kind of like 10, 20 years ago. Now, part of that as well is obviously the, the interest in single malts as a whole. Now, in 2016, uh, Billy Walker and the consortium sold the three distilleries for a mere $285 million to uh, Brown Foreman, who own uh, Jack Daniels and things like that. And it's, it's they then hired Rachel Barry, who is uh, actually, she has a very, very seriously impressive uh, kind of knowledge towards flavour creation as well and maturation influences she's worked with a lot of very very clever people and she now uh, controls the flavour profile of these three distilleries and um, most notably at the moment Ben Riak has been having a lot more kind of new releases coming out she's really changed the profile of Ben Riak a lot and it, it's great uh, it's kind of a lot more uniform in flavour now um, but also Glenn Glassell will be having some wonderful releases and Glenn Dronick's uh, going on leaps and bounds 285 man. yeah uh, yeah, Billy Walker then actually kind of like just went out and bought a new distillery. The guy is, could have retired. I'm going to say, I think I'd retired on that. I mean, you know, he, he's older than you, probably. I mean, you could you could just work Saturday mornings, couldn't you, if you got that sort of money? Trudner, you know what? I'd start a werewolf charity. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> now, Glendronach's core range. The core range has actually changed recently. They kind of they dropped two expressions. They used to do a peated Glendronach, which... It had, a, it had a nice following, as I've said before, peated whiskies are very successful and, and a lot of people like them, but but the thing was, it didn't really fall in line with the rest of the, the range because it was the only one. And so they've, they've stopped this peated expression. Uh, they also used to do an eight-year-old and, and they've kind of dropped that. So the core range begins with a 12-year-old. I hope it didn't smash when it was dropped. <laughs> you literally smashed one of my glass things today. Are you really going to make a, a, glass a glass joke? No, I didn't break a glass. I broke a glasses hat. I broke one of the capita lids. Oh, no. Which, by the way, you can't buy on their own. You have to buy the whole they glass. They're so expensive, those are so. John just said you can't buy them by themselves, so then not. That's why they're expensive. Now, the 12-year-old is entirely matured in sherry casks. They use 
Oloroso, and they use Pedro Jimenez sherry casks. Now, Oloroso is quite a drier sherry in comparison. Not, not as dry as a Fino, but compared to your PX, it certainly has a drier side to it. It's lovely and rich. It's what gives you that lovely kind of rich fruit cakey Christmas cake flavors of a, of a whiskey. And the PX casks gives you a nice kind of brown sugary sweetness. Don't you really hate does. Christmas cake? I hate eating Christmas cake. Love the flavor in whiskey. It's weird, I know. You're like, mm, it's like fruit, but I, I hate actual fruits. I don't hate actual fruit. We've been through this. Bananas are great. <laughs> Bananas. <laughs> Please name another fruit for once in your life. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, they, they balance this out. You see, one of the big problems is if you're not careful with your whiskies, particularly when you're working with sherry casks, you can get too much of these kind of cask tannins coming in and it can become very dry, which sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And so you need to balance it out. You have to love them back. You do. You have to love whiskey back. You know what they say? If you if you love whiskey, let it go. If it rolls past the person that's meant to be counting the barrels, it was never meant to be. That's sad. <laughs> it's a really common turn of phrase. Blinking and back now. No casks were harmed in the making of this episode, <laughs> nor werewolves. The 15 is the, is the next step up in the range, and that's the one we'll be reviewing, so I'll get back to that one. Spoilers for the future. Next up is the 18-year-old, which is also named Allardyce, after the owner. Uh, now I think the- I'm making a dinosaur reference. Hey? Aladar, you're saying? Aladar, is that it? It's off the Disney dinosaur movie. Yes, he was driving to the wall. I was like, I know I'm referencing something, but I cannot figure it out. Aladar was an iguanodon. Aladar. It's only pretend, though. No! Okay. They went back in time, filmed it, and then oh. they recreated it in CGI. Blimey. Disney have a lot <laughs> of money. filmed it and then recreated <laughs> That's it. That's fantastic. Problem was, they whitewashed the dinosaur. <laughs> Now, the 18-year-old is uh, also named Allardyce, which is after the founder, James Allardyce. And that's because they reckon if he was to come back today, this would be his favourite whiskey in the range. <laughs> like, um, are they just, like, straight up assume they're, like, pretty yeah, whiskey, the dude's favourite? I, I think it's probably because it's more like the old-fashioned style is what they're saying. It's entirely matured in Oloroso sherry casks for all 18 years of its life. So, again, you're having this problem with the balancing power. You, you, too much Oloroso will often kind of overpower it. Um, but they do it very, very well. And a part of the reason for this is also the bottling strength they bottle at. They bottle a little bit higher and it stops it becoming um, too sweet or too dry if that makes sense it's it's always a balancing act when you, you do these things uh, the 21 year old is also named Parliament now this is named Parliament because they actually have a, uh, a Parliament of Rooks which nest in and around the distillery and apparently a Parliament can be used to refer to a group of ro- Rooks I'm trying really hard not to make a joke <laughs> didn't know that yeah you get murder of crows you get a parliament of rooks and murder of crows um, is what's ravens easily uh, a gaggle no it's a not a shoal herd is it a murder of no it's a murder of crows yeah but is it a murder of ravens too I don't know a massacre of ravens <laughs> an unkindness an unkindness of ravens ah well that's a bit mean yeah mind you a murder of crows isn't very well positive. you're not very nice at least that is one of the names given to the jet black birds with a dubious reputation. They really came for, like, <laughs> raven's blood there. So... Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> now, Parliament uh, is... It goes back to the style of what the 12 and the 15 use, and they use Oloroso and Pedro Jimenez sherry casks. So, again, you're getting this lovely richness and the sweetness from the PX casks. Uh, they, again, bottle higher, and that's to stop it becoming too sweet with the PX casks. It's this balancing act. You've got to be very careful. And they create this great style. I have to admit, it's a tough call for me which one I prefer, the 18 or the 21. It's usually whichever one I'm trying is the winner. 
The classic <laughs> video game dilemma there. <clears throat> I have to say, I think I uh, a little bit towards the 18, more than the 21, if for no other reason than the 18 is slightly closer to the affordable range than the 21. Uh, one of the other uh, ones that they do do, it's not part of the standard range, they release it once a year, is the Glendronic batch release, where it's cask strength. And because it's cask strength, you get all that natural cask flavour, and they tend to, again, use, well, they always use sherry casks, but they tend to use Oloroso and Pedro Jimenez sherry casks. It's, it really is a wonderful one that each year the flavour slightly changes because it's a, a batch expression. Um, so yeah, I, th I think that basically covers the range. After that, you have things like the single cask releases, which are are often very nice and they'll do things like uh, exclusive PX casks, exclusive Oloroso casks, uh, exclusive port cask maturations and they give you these different flavours on the on the uh, flavour profiles on the whiskies. Obviously these are very limited numbers, they do them about once a year uh, and, and some of them are, certainly have a, a lot of age to them. So get back to the age of these casks then, oh, let's go. Yeah. So how, how, what age are we talking about? 15, this is the 15 year old. Well, the, one no, that the casks, the old casks. Not the whiskey. You said some of the casks were very old. Oh yeah, I mean some of the releases. Um, the, the well, we were in the shop, weren't we? We saw uh, 1993, 1992 releases. They've done uh, 1994. So doing some basic math there, that gives you what? Quite a long time. Yeah, exactly. You're talking like 27, kind of 28 years old. Some of these, um, and I, I even believe they've done like 30. In fact, they have. They've done, certainly done a 30 year old release recently. Now, one of the big problems for a lot of distilleries and Glendronic in particular is they are running out stock as I keep saying and certainly these older whiskies are getting really hard to come by and that's why the price is, is rocketing up as as someone said from the distillery there is no magic whiskey tap you can't just turn it on and expect all these casks to suddenly start becoming available for you you have to wait for the maturation to build and uh, still keep the levels there you can't just bulk order it that's so exactly is... what someone with a magic whiskey tap would say. I, yeah, that's true. Yes, I I, I was think, thinking that my same thing. So no, it's kind of like there's no such thing as a magic whiskey tap. So they, they kind of walk in the front. Yes, just be walking in front of this one like yeah. outside tap that looks yeah. very underwhelming or something like yeah. There's no magic whiskey tap. If you had a time machine though, you could go back and do some more nope. whiskey. Have you, you learned well, nothing? You could, but then you would be breaking things because you that's that's your back. basic rule. If you go back and solve the problem, it was not that problem that made you have to go back in the first place. You're cancelling it out. Yeah. Uh, also, if you're going to go back in time, let's face it, first of all, you're going to check out the dinosaurs, see what colour they really were. Next yeah, step up is you're going to start playing, getting uh, whiskey, uh, getting lottery tickets to pay for this time machine yeah, that you've just not, invested a lot cheap. of money in. They're not cheap, in. I'll tell you that now. What would I do? I'd go back in time to the start of this episode. So I could <laughs> yeah. Be like, sorry, too busy to be here. <laughs> so I think we'll, with, with all that said, on this, you know, loving family episode. Yes. Which we've talked a lot of sense through it all. We'll talk about the 15-year-old, which is the one we're reviewing. Now, again, like like the 12 and the 21, this uses Oloroso and Pedro Jimenez for the sherry casks that they mature in. Um, it really is only the 18 that they tend to do, or, or in the standard range. The 18 is the only one where they exclusively use the Oloroso. Sherry? Oh, wow, that yeah. That smells lovely, that. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Dad, you're interrupting my segment. Sorry, sorry. This is Freckles' I'll repeat. moment. This is your moment in the sun. Sherry? Yes. That's all I've got. What kind of sherry cask do you think they use? 15-year-olds? <laughs> We've just been going on about Oloroso and Pedro Jimenez sherry cast like the sentence before. <laughs> I wasn't here for that. Now, I mean, on, on the colour, I mean, I love the colour of sherry cast whiskey. It's always this nice kind of dark, ambery bronze colour, a lot of richness to it. I still haven't noticed a single difference. Mm. Yes, you have. I have to do this every single week. 
So look at the difference in that. Literally the same colour. No, they're no. not. That's werewolf urine, and that's normal. Actually, well, now werewolves have a lot of blood in them. So. Does it? <laughs> see a doctor about that well they can't <laughs> they can't see a doctor and that's the problem on the nose it's, it's lovely rich like i say you got that stewed fruits but there's a lot of cask influence there's a lot of oak spice to it literally no stewed fruits uh, now it is bottled high um they bottle it well i say high relatively high on top of a hill yeah <laughs> 46%. They bottle it at 46%. So, you, again, keeping that nice cask influence, they get that balance. Because if it if they were to go uh, a, a bit lower, you'd start to get a lot more of that sweetness coming in, which, uh, as I've shown you before, when you when we did the Wee Beastie, you had the drops in, and it made it a lot more drinkable. It was a lot sweeter, if yeah, you remember. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So, yeah, on the top, you've got... There is there's almost like that little bit of a sweetness. There's the brown sugary side to it, Demerara sugar. Redo the on the top, because I was making, like, bad joke noises. On the top, it's definitely different. Yeah, isn't there? Um... And on the middle, you start to get that fruit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does. It always reminds me of Christmas cake. You got almost that like orange peely side to it, as well as the rich fruits. And on the bottom, there is there's that oak spice along with the richness. It's um, it's quite heavily spiced on on the, on the bottom. For those of you curious as to how I sniff it, is just in the general direction of the glass. Now, as for the mouthfeel, it's got quite a nice heavy mouthfeel. It coats your mouth, don't it? <coughs> yeah. And that richness really does build on your tongue. You can try a drop if you want. No. I should imagine four bottles of this and you'd be tipsy. Also, you drank out of that. Ew. I've got to be honest. I mean, I've never been a whiskey man because when I was young, it was all this cheap stuff, you know. Yeah, but we've already established you actually are a whiskey man. You just don't bother to drink it because whenever no, I give you a sample of whiskey, you go, oh, actually, yeah. yeah. I was never really a whiskey man when I was younger because it was, it was it all the was cheap stuff. Horrible but stuff, wasn't it? Singers the song. Clean your car, <laughs> yeah. But, when, you know, whenever you give me a sample of whiskey, it's actually quite nice, yeah. so maybe you are a whiskey <laughs> man. <laughs> I'm not a whiskey. I can't stand whiskey, but every single sample you give me, I really like. When you add water to it, just to open it up a little bit. Now, like a good falling block. back, I tend to drink Glendronic neat um, with the with the 12 and the 15. I tend not to add water to it. Now, it's yeah, all you personal tidy it choice. Away, you fold yep. it properly. Oh, yeah. Those sleeves are. Yeah, I end. Yep. I always tend to add a little drop, and then you can always try a bit more. Mm. Uh, whiskies they tend to get to a point where you'll overwater them, where you'll start to get uh, their degrading effects, where you start to lose a lot more flavour. However, opening it up, it's complicated. Basically, the alcohol works as a way to carry across flavour, but because how alcohol works in our mouths, it numbs the taste buds and you lose flavour. If that makes sense. So it's kind of a catch twenty two. Now, adding water, it tends to open it up, almost a, a little bit of a honeyed side. The spice, um, it's still there at the back, but it has it's faded away a lot. More. It's, it's a lot more balanced in a lot of ways. It's a very approachable whiskey when you add water to Glendronic. You don't it's add... Very it's dangerous very whiskey when you add <laughs> That's an approachable whiskey. Looking very approach- As a general rule of thumb, the darker the whiskey, the less water you add. As a general rule of thumb. You don't add whiskey to, like, hot drinks, though, do you? We've been through this. Hot toddies is literally whiskey and hot drinks. Yeah, you don't do hot toddies, though. Oh, me personally? Yes, yeah, I've always... Can never see the point of right, but putting whiskey in coffee or tea and that. Sometimes it's ruining the tea and it's ruining the whiskey. A hot chocolate with. Not Bailey's, but a similar kind of whiskey cream liqueur. Oh, I bet that'd be sickly. Well, don't go, oh. you don't need a lot. 14 mugs of that and you'd be sick. <laughs> 14. I like, I like how at some point you've got 30 and you're like, I can't do another one. <laughs> but there's one mugs left. You know, you got to do it. It makes sense. Yeah. Question time. Question time. Do you want me to ask questions or are you just going to start throwing them off? Let me just minimise that so you can't cheat. <laughs> um, okay. Walker. Was a dude. He what was, was his first name? Johnny. No, no that was. No, a... Johnny Walker is it... a different whiskey. <laughs> no relation. Billy. Billy Walker. Well done. Billy Walker. He was around. He was like, looks. 
<laughs> Looks like we're gonna yellow bellies. Yeah, he sold uh, three mm-hmm. distilleries for two hundred eighty-five million. That is very impressive. You spot remember on, that figure? Spot on. I know where the cash money is. <laughs> um, two thousand and five. What about it? Something happened. They did do something in two thousand five. Yes. Eighteen thirty. Five eighteen thirty four no, was the first nope, payout. No, they started back up because it had been six years. They've been no, two thousand and two. They started back up. Two thousand and five oh, is when they switched from direct coal firing. Oh, that's right, to steam. And well eighteen thirty two. No, eight, was it eighteen? Swap the three and the two around. Eighteen twenty three. Yep, was when they started taxing. They sort of officially, there was a law passed in Parliament where you could do apply for a distillation license. People drilled into the stills to get some. Well, no, they didn't drill into the stills. That would be very no. dangerous. <laughs> drilled into, into, the into the arm. They, right. they drilled into the pipes behind walls and things so they could sneak whiskey. There's all sorts of different ways they used to sneak whiskey. Um, they started a taxi survey. So that's the Christmas episode where actually we've gone more into Halloween stories than I think the Halloween episode went into. If you're going to have me on a Christmas episode, I'm going to try and derail it as much as possible. Yeah. So this has been Cascades. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please rate, review and subscribe on whichever podcasting platform you use. It really does help us and more importantly, may lead others to listen to and discover our show. You can also visit our website or send us an email if you have any questions. The links are within the description below. Within the description below. Within the description below. Damn it, Spock. And if you're a doctor, we will remember it's for life. Not just for Christmas. (laughs) I think you're going to dot a werewolf. Like, they are also people. <laughs> oh, dear. I'd also like to thank Adrian and Allison of the Wee Dram Whiskey Shop. Uh, I apologise for all the werewolfy stuff. <laughs> no werewolves can be found in the Wee Dram, um, to my knowledge. Although we don't discriminate if they want to shop there. You wouldn't know. That's the point. And as always, we'll leave you with one editing goof. I don't think there's going to be an editing goof this time. I was genuinely, like, zoned out for most of it. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. And happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. And let's hope 2021 is a better year. Yep. If you don't believe in Christmas, as I'm getting a strange, happy non-denomical uh, winter celebration, or if you don't want to celebrate winter, go ahead and celebrate summer with Jimmy Buffett. Always celebrate summer with Jimmy Buffett. Jimothy Buffett is the Ernest Hemingway of our time. <laughs> and you thought there wasn't going to be a coup? <laughs> <laughs> that is a quote by Kenneth Chesney. <laughs>